Hi, and a big welcome to another episode of Laughter and Lunges with your hosts, Catherine and Sarah. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today. We would love it if you could rate, follow and share the podcast so that it can reach even more ears. Here's today's episode. Well, there we go. That looks a bit, there we go. Very nice. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, are we live? Are we in the group? Yeah. Delightful. I think so. I hope so. It does say you're streaming live on Facebook. I'm just having um, tech issues over here. So, <laughs> you know, nothing new. Nothing new. <laughs> Hi, we're online coaches and we have technical difficulties all the time. Just, do you know what we do? We just channel truthfully, like being human. I think that's what it is. We are the epitome of humanness, just hot messes. Hot messes. <laughs> oh, no. Maisie started crying. Let me know if you can hear her. Um, if not, we shall just continue. How are you doing today, Catherine? I'm good, thank you. I was saying to you before we came on the call that it's really nice weather here in Edinburgh. It's like blue skies, sunshine. It was really nice yesterday as well. So I feel like that sort of weather uplifts me. Yeah. It is nice to see the blue sky and the sun, isn't it? It really is. I think Matt said to me this morning that you guys, I don't know why he's checking the weather for Scotland, but you guys are due snow this week. Is that true? Do you know, Have you heard those rumblings in I mean, up north? I heard it here first. <laughs> this could well be fake news. I wonder. Now I'm just going to make everybody wait whilst I Google what the weather is. Oh, yeah, it says Tuesday we might get a bit of snow. I bet it won't turn out to be much. It never seems to be in, like, Edinburgh city centre. In the big city, in the big smoke. Big city. How are you? I am good, thank you. I was just saying to you I feel quite tired today, but I, other than that, I am doing dandy, to be fair. I'm feeling pretty good, just a bit zoned, a bit zoned. A bit zoned. <laughs> That's but okay. I'm sure that human. this podcast will be a delight and I'll feel less zoned afterwards. You'll come off of it feeling like a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Well, we do have some questions, don't we, from check-ins because this weekend has been a check-in weekend. We do check-ins every other week. So yeah, we've got some great questions. I know. Great check-ins this week as well. Really, really great check-ins and some great questions as well. So should we get started with those bad boys? Let's do it. Also, before we get going, Sharon says, oh, I have to move my window. Oh, there we go. I can see everyone's comments. Morning, coaches. Listening in bed, taking my rest day. And Georgina says, morning all. I have done my weights and walk. Now have a face face pack and shaving legs. What's that name? <laughs> I don't know if she wanted me to read that out, but I've read it out and I apologize. Uh, do you know what I'm loving? That's like peak self-care from from both there. I'm impressed and proud in equal measures. Good morning, you beautiful people. You know what? I actually always feel really accomplished when I've shaved my legs. Do you know what? I do too. I, I just hate, it's such a faff, such a faff. And I'm a shorts wearer, as you well know, so got to keep on top of that. Kara's saying that she's listening from the shower. <laughs> wow, it really is self-care. Self-care Sunday. What you're doing as well. Are you on self-care Sunday? Faisal's well sitting there with a face pack on as well. Probably. Moisturising. Is oh, this right. a self-care podcast? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. 
Uh, shall we go with the first question now we know everyone's whereabouts? Very much Sunday activities today. <laughs> Let's do it. Would you like me to read them or do you want to read them? I can read. I've got them. I, I can, can read. read. <laughs> <laughs> That's the peak of my contribution today is I can read. So I'm going to go with it. Are you cool with that? I'm cool with that because I can't read. <laughs> Amazing. Faisal's in pure gym, by the way. He's getting a session in. So the first question is, how does insulin resistance impact weight loss and does eating lower carb help reverse it? Nice sciencey question. I love it this is. one. I feel like we've got a lot of sciencey questions today. I'm like, Catherine's going to be in her element with these <laughs> sciencey questions. Everyone's getting their nerd on this I know. weekend. Well, I suppose, should we start off by briefly explaining what insulin's insulence <laughs> insulin resistance is can you hear easy for you to say no i can't hear okay. it okay good if you can just please say and i'll go and lock her in another room not nicely in another room not like no animal <laughs> cruelty is going on here don't be calling calling rspca yeah um so the job of insulin in the body and insulin gets like a bad rep, doesn't it? People are always like, how do I stop my um, insulin from spiking when I've eaten? So insulin's role in the body, it's a hormone. And what it does is it helps lower blood glucose levels. So when we've eaten a meal, we see an increase in our blood glucose levels because generally there'll be some form of sugar within our food that we digest, we break down, it goes into the blood and then it gets distributed to different cells in the body for a source of energy, which is great. It's exactly like what we want. Now we can have too high a blood sugar levels. So what insulin's job is to do is to make sure that our blood sugar levels don't go too high. Um, Equally, we don't want them to go too low either. So insulin is great, does a really good job. And most people who are healthy, who aren't diabetic and who don't have insulin resistance. Now, what insulin, insulin resistance is, is think of somebody who is insulin resistance, resistant as they are they don't hear insulin knocking on the door of their cells to let the glucose in. So their pancreas makes more insulin to try and get the same effect. So imagine you've got insulin running around in the blood. It's like chasing after those glucose molecules. It's taking them to the doors of the cells. It's knocking on the cell, but nobody's answering the door of the cell. So it has to make more. And then finally, they're not loud enough that it starts letting glucose in. So we do see that some people have insulin resistance, particularly, you know, like type two diabetic diabetics will experience this. Um, so, you know, it does become a bad thing and it's something that we want to avoid. And we do see this association. So I can't speak today. Wow. <laughs> association with, um, increased, um, stored body fat and insulin resistance, or even the prevalence of type two, type two diabetes. But we can't say for sure that insulin resistance causes um, increase in fat or increase in weight, it's more likely to kind of be the other way around is that this insulin resistance is caused by high, having high body fat levels, um, and doing things like not exercising enough. So that's kind of like the lowdown on what it actually is. So hopefully that's helpful. 
Yeah, I always really like that um, door analogy. Like it makes a lot more sense when you think of it like that, I think, that almost it's not that it's not doing what it should. It's that the cell's like just less responsive to it doing its job. I think like the other thing that's quite interesting and like is maybe often overlooked with insulin is that it's anabolic as well. So what it's an anabolic hormone. What that means is that it aids in muscle groups we need energy to be taken into muscle cells in order for them to like do work in order for them to repair and grow. And insulin does exactly that. It allows glucose to enter the muscle cells and be stored as glycogen. So I think often people, yeah, they like give insulin this really bad rep and it's like, actually like, it's fine when you've eaten like something carbohydrate and glucose, increases in your blood and then insulin lets it into your cells like that's a good thing people often just think they associate it with like storing fat and that's not the case so I think that's another useful reminder there definitely yeah I think there is I think it is one of those things though that there's so much conflicting information about insulin levels and it is something where there's like elements of truth isn't there often in like what's being said so it's really difficult then to differentiate between what's facts and what's maybe like bending of the facts slightly to suit a narrative that wants to be pushed totally but I think as well sorry no you go ahead Sarah you go ahead I was just going to say can it not as well kind of disrupt sort of signals in the brain you know if we've got like insulin resistance in terms of like hunger and satiety levels so it might kind of increase our appetite which can then also lead to kind of overeating so we might be more likely to put on weight because we're eating more because we're not as sensitive to that idea that oh actually I'm full because we feel a lot hungrier so then it's impacting then our behaviors as well um, and not just sort of the I guess like the mechanisms within the body, it's also then impacting our actions and our behaviors day to day. That's such a good point about it. It's to do with the behaviors as opposed to like mechanisms within the body. Like you can't, it's like we often will say you can't store calories as fat that you haven't consumed. It's not just, you know, if you can, if you suddenly developed insulin resistance, but you continued eating the same number of calories maybe say at maintenance, you're not going to suddenly start in like gaining more body fat. The way that you're going to start gaining more body fat is because you go into a calorie surplus and you start eating, you have, you intake more energy than you output. Um, and often that is contested as well. Um, what is the, there's that theory, what's it like the insulin carbohydrate hypothesis? I can't remember the name of it now. Um, and that's a rubbish fact for you, but I'm going to go away and, and look at that. But it's, yes, yeah, the psych hypothesis that like carbohydrates are the thing that basically make you gain fat. Yeah. But when we look at studies where there's like a high, high fat, low carbohydrate diets versus um, low fat, high carbohydrate diets. Got it. And when calories are matched, there's no difference. There's no significant difference in fat gain between those two diets. So you could eat low carb, high fat, or you could eat the opposite and still have the same calories and the same thing will happen. So, yeah. And I think then that's quite interesting then as well. Uh, 
slightly different part of that question. I don't think it's sort of asking the same thing as what you've just said there, but almost does eating lower carb help reverse it? So that insulin resistance. Yeah. So like the things that I would, so I had, I had a look at the research and it's, it's kind of mixed, but the overall message that we see is that, so some studies suggest that a low carbohydrate diet can improve insulin resistance, but then there are other studies that indicate that it might actually have like negative consequences and negative effects on like stuff like cardiovascular risk, because then people are having like higher fat diets and maybe eating more saturated fats. Um, and then it might actually then exacerbate insulin resistance because people are gaining weight and they're gaining fat. Um, so overall, there's not any strong evidence to support that low carb diets treat insulin resistance, or it's a good way to treat insulin resistance. But the good news is that there are many other ways that are very much sort of linked to movement and exercise and muscle growth, where we know that these things do have an impact on insulin resistance. And we know that exercise itself is, it's an insulin independent way of clearing glucose in the blood. So what that means is that it doesn't rely on the use of the hormone insulin to reduce your um, blood sugar levels. It actually does it independently of that. It doesn't need insulin. It does it like on a different mechanism, a different route within the cell. So basically like exercise and the stimulus of moving the muscles is the thing that knocks on the door of the cell and lets the glucose in, which is really cool. Sorry. And um, whenever you say like knocks on the door, I don't know if anyone's seen Matilda the musical. <laughs> this no, is really out there. I've seen Matilda. There's a bit where in the musical it's like knock on the door Jenny and like that's all that's in my head if please someone's got to have seen that in the group but that's what it reminds me of and honestly this song goes on for ages and I'm like just bloody knock on the door Jenny come on like (laughs) that's what we're gonna like call insulin now yeah bloody knock on the door Jenny (laughs) I really hope someone has seen that because that's a bit random otherwise but yeah, I think that's just, again, as you said, that's gem- general like advice that we would give a lot of people anyway, working with this is about sort of movement and the benefits of exercise and movement for health. But also in this scenario, it might be that you're looking at um, what types of carbohydrates you're eating as well. Are you eating sort of those, I always get it wrong, the wrong way around, like lower GI, that's the mm. one, isn't it? So more like yeah. refined carbs that are going to be sort of more steady release of that energy can be useful and maybe looking at things like portioning that around your training when you're going to be using it for training as you've just said too so there's little things there that can maybe help because we're eating those things at the times where we're the body's also going to be kind of using them most effectively as well um but in terms of like reversing it as you said like one of the biggest sort of things is that um is exercise and movement isn't it to overall improve kind of those health markers totally yeah the other the other thing is if if you have somebody who is insulin resistant and they have a lot of excess stored body fat losing some of that excess stored body fat is a good way to help reduce the insulin resistance so you've got that you've got weight loss for somebody who is overweight um exercise Again, timing the exercise, like Sarah said, around your your eating. The other thing you could do is um, 
even after meals is purposefully go for a walk so maybe after your if say for example your dinner is your largest meal of the day and that's where maybe you have more carbohydrates is you go for a walk after your meal and that will help clear blood glucose the the other like thing that we know is that generally people are more insulin resistant later on in the day and this is kind of based around circadian rhythms so we actually have a higher sensitivity to insulin earlier in the day so if you are somebody who is insulin resistant and you want to time your carbohydrates a bit more optimally around your day there might be a small difference in actually having more of them earlier on in the day as opposed to later in the day Um, if you're not insulin resistant you don't need to worry about doing that um, it's not going to have much of an impact, especially if you are active, you're exercising regularly, you're doing resistance training, you're growing muscle mass again, like having a lot of muscle is going to really help because it's a big site of glucose storage. Um, we store glucose as glycogen in our muscles. So it's ready and raring to go for us to do activity. It's like a, um, a really good storage mechanism for, for glucose. Um, there was one more thing I was going to mention, even like, I know, so have you heard of the glucose goddess and like the, yeah, yeah, that she's written. So, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with it. And I don't, I don't think that the, the entire premise is very good, but I think there are certain things that we can pick out of there and incorporate into say, for example, when you build your meals that like what else are you eating with the carbohydrate source like are you having lots of fiber so vegetables and fruits and things are you having fats as well all those things will help slow gastric emptying so that's slowing slowing down the digestion time and slowing down how quickly the glucose enters your blood um kind of like sarah explained there about like low gi foods versus high glycemic index foods um those are things you can consider they're the things that are going to have like a smaller impact so if you've not if you're not already active you're not already resistance training you're not already you know going for a walk after your meals those things are going to have a way bigger impact than like the order in which you eat your food and whether you're including fats in your like dinner so i mean yeah I don't generally, I don't like being like, oh, like this part of this message is really good because the whole message isn't that good. Uh, so, mm, yeah. yeah. I just remember when a particular podcast of that came out and then there was a lot of was was that why everyone started not wanting to eat oats? I feel like there was a big thing where oats got a real bash in. And I feel like that was something to do with it. But I could be wrong. Mm. Oh, oats get so much of a bashing like they're oh, they've got carbohydrates in them or oh, they've got glyce glycophates i can't pronounce that in them and that they're like you shouldn't eat it you can't pronounce it (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh Oh, gosh let's not get started on that one big deep breath needed for that one and breathe okay so i think you answered that one wonderfully i will move on to the next question we nailed it I read somewhere about there being some evidence that a higher protein serving closer to bedtime might be particularly useful for people in perimenopause and menopause. I'm interested. I can't speak today either, Catherine. I'm interested in this as someone who generally likes eating late, 
but has tried to reduce this given my understanding that it's optimal to have a reasonable gap between last meal and bed and that those who eat later on tend to be more likely to consume more calories on average. Interested in the science and your thoughts on this? Another great question. Mm, I really like this question. Um, I think there's you so much to start. I was just going to say, I think there's so much to sort of break down around this as well, because I think what I love about this is that this person's already kind of showed their working out in terms of why they generally eat the way that they do. And so this could be one of those things of like what's optimal, but then what's realistic and optimal for you, which I think is where kind of the coaching comes in. But I guess like in terms of having like a protein rich meal sort of closer to bedtime, it can help with things like muscle maintenance, which again, we know that sort of during perimenopause and like menopause that maintaining muscle mass like becomes crucial for sort of overall health as well. So having that protein intake closer to bed can help with that um, sort of supporting that muscle preservation and kind of preventing that age-related muscle loss which you know can happen um, but again if we're exercising then that's one of the best things we can do as well and eating protein regularly it can also help I guess like with leaving us feeling fuller obviously protein does help with like satiety and again if you're someone who maybe is concerned more about kind of late night eating then it could be more beneficial to have like a serving sort of closer to bed for that as well, that maybe you're not waking up so so hungry in the morning, but also you're going to be promoting muscle protein stimulus. Stimulus? MPS. It just synthesis. sounded really right. Synthesis, that's it. I'm like, that sounded wrong. We knew what you I meant. told you. Zoned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, promoting that as a stimulus for muscle protein synthesis um, whilst you are sleeping as well. So I think that there can be benefits to it in terms of having that but also then that's I guess weighing it up with your reasoning for doing that too totally yeah I think that was an incredible answer it's it's less black and white than it being like oh I heard you shouldn't eat close to bed um and also it might mean that you know if you're eating later in the day you overeat but then it, it depends on the reasons why you're overeating as well you, you know some people may overeat in the evening because that's the time that they finally get to sit down and they feel more relaxed after a busy day a stressful day an emo emotional roller coaster of a day and that's when maybe they've not eaten much during the day as well so that's the point in the day where they can stop they can pause and they might use food as a tool to regulate those emotions and that's when they might be most likely to overeat so you know if that if that feels like that's you if you're listening and you're like yeah that's me I do that in the evening then a maybe you would want to you know avoid eating later in the day and spreading your food out across the day a bit better but b also Sarah made such a good point there about protein being highly satiating so maybe actually even having a really good portion of protein a good serving of protein will actually help you overcome that evening evening overeating so again it's not just as black and white as like yep yeah, do this in the evening or don't do this in the evening it depends on you and your circumstances and I know for this this person in particular they tend to do their gym sessions um 
later in the day. So they tend to do them later in the evening. Now, I don't know what time this person like eats their dinner. Maybe they eat it earlier and then have a gap and then go to the gym. But you might actually find that there is a bit of a benefit to having a serving of protein that might even just be something small if you find that you can't eat really close to bed you know you get maybe you get indigestion if you eat too close to bed but maybe you have like a protein pudding pot before you go to bed or maybe you have a shake maybe that sits a bit better in your stomach i i know people often like oh yeah if i drink a protein shake it really just doesn't sit right in my stomach Mm. but i found the opposite i find it's like really easy to eat and like digest and stuff yeah yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because I think I fall on that side of things of not, it doesn't sit so well with me, protein shakes. Mm. But I was I was smirking there about the protein pots because I don't know if you saw my new status. <laughs> I mean, this is like actually news of the year. This is incredible. I feel I like just, I know a celebrity. I just can't get my head around how I was number one buyer of the Lindau's chocolate protein puddings because... I haven't bought them for so long. I must have caned them earlier in the year when, you know, but yeah, that's me, guys. Local celeb, if ever you're around Kenworth or Coventry and you see me, happy to sign your protein pudding pots for you. Oh, Faisal, that's not nice. Coventry is a small place. Don't don't take Sarah's um, accomplishment away from her. This, just to say, I order my shopping online, living in Kenilworth. The Kenilworth shop is very small, so we have to order it online. So potentially this could be coming from anywhere. Ooh. Who knows? Love it. Just to, you know, take that back. (laughs) Um, I think we we answered that question. And, like, this person's right as well, yeah, like having that protein serving before bed can be really advantageous especially for like Sarah said muscle maintenance and muscle growth um and if you think about it if you go to bed I don't know 10 o'clock and you get up at six you've had a period of fasting as well you've not had a serving of protein so having a serving of protein prior to bedtime can help reduce that gap between like dinner and breakfast the next day I don't know if Sarah's frozen. Definitely. I might want to experiment with. Me? Was I gone? Yeah, you were frozen. I was like, I don't Ah. know whether she's like mulling that over with a really serious face or whether she's just gone. It was it was really thought provoking. I had to take a moment. No, I was just (laughs) I was just saying, I guess with any of these things, we can always experiment and see what's going to work for you. You could try it out and see if you notice any difference after sort of maybe four weeks or so and see if you notice any difference from doing that and be curious about that too. Um, And I guess it's weighing up what feels most important too, you know, um, eating close to bed, it can maybe interrupt our sleep as well. So, but other people it might not. So just being curious about the impact of that for you can be quite helpful. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Awesome. Next question. Creatine. It's a creatine question. Can this be taken with coffee? Used to have with protein shakes, but it's not using as much thinking of ways to get into my body. If I have with dilute squash makes me feel sick, but in two coffees seems to be better. We're both nodding here. (laughs) Yeah, no reason not to. Uh, The other thing is... um... I think sometimes people are worried about mixing creatine in with other things because they think that doing that will reduce its 
impact. But if you think about some some pre-workouts contain caffeine and creatine together. So if you're worried about like the caffeine having a negative impact or the heat of the coffee having a negative impact, like I wouldn't worry about it. Um, yeah, totally fine. Yeah, the main thing I would say, again, just make sure that you're drinking plenty of like fluid around that because I guess like both of those, they can have like diuretic properties. So just make sure that you're you're staying hydrated, <laughs> I would say. But I th- yeah. I think it also depends on what kind of coffee you're having. If you're having an, like, an espresso shot with not much water in it, but you're having... Um, it's got caffeine in it then yeah it will have like a bigger diuretic effect than say like um like a latte or an americano or just like an instant coffee actually see when you look at like um hydration charts like coffee is actually even though it contains caffeine if you have like an americano or something it's still relatively hydrating because there's like a decent level of water in it as well um so i won't worry like too much about having a ton of water around it as well i mean you, you then give yourself like the opportunity to have toilet breaks at work and stuff so you like <laughs> get to increase your steps as well drink to thirst <laughs> um i'm with sharon though sharon says i shot my creatine and then take a big swig of water that is also what i do we were talking about this the other day weren't we you yeah me and hannah about that scoop from scoop to mouth done i think i would like just <laughs> i i don't know like accidentally breathe it in or like you know like blow it out like I'm fire breathing or something I just feel like a load of powder it's not like having a scoop of like protein powder though like it's it is such a small amount that it's it's doable you should try it it's great we have um when we have our creatine we'll have it when we're making dinner when we're waiting for our dinner to be done in the air fryer we uh get a little mug and we put our scoop of I was about to say protein creatine in and then a little bit of water just enough for it to be a shot and then we use it to shot our supplements back i love it this is like the cadbury's cream egg do you remember like how do you eat yours yeah. it's like the same with creative how would Mate, you take a, yours a great post idea we'll do, we'll do that sometime <laughs> amazing so shall we hit i think this is the final question so Ooh. menopause random aches and pains why and how is the body doing this I've had some pains in shoulder in the middle of the night, but then gone in the morning. Don't think I am dreaming. Oh, that sounds difficult, especially in your sleep. If it's disrupting yeah. your sleep. That's it. If it's waking you up, then you probably are experiencing those pains and, and not <laughs> dreaming about them. Agreed. I think like in terms of the, I don't know entirely what the, cellular like mechanism is i need to do a bit more research on this to find out like exactly what it is or even if there is any information about what it is but we know that during menopause particularly perimenopause that um sex hormones will fluctuate so you've got a fluctuation of estrogen and progesterone um particularly and that can increase and decrease a lot more than it would do in a pre-menopause menstrual cycle. And we know that estrogen has like a protective effect over basically all of the cells in our body. Um, and with, with those fluctuations in it, 
particularly the dips in it, which means we have less circulating estrogen, which means that it has less opportunity to protect those different cells. And this is why we see, you know, like more muscle breakdown. There's a higher risk of stuff like osteoporosis. Um, I'm making it sound excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So generally like that's, that's the why I don't know exactly how that, like a cellular level impacts it. I don't know if we really like need to know exactly why, but again, like you're not dreaming about it. It's, it's probably one of the most reported symptoms of perimenopause and menopause is muscle joint aches and pains. Um, But again, like you're doing all the right things that you can be to help mitigate that. You know, you're exercising, um, you've got a great diet, um, you've got, social support around you from like the group um i can't remember if this person in particular is on hrt or not but again taking hrt if it's right in your circumstances for your circumstances and you know you're speaking to a doctor about it and getting regular checkups with your hrt that's another thing that can reduce those symptoms because it kind of levels off those fluctuations in in your in your hormones a bit more yeah, I, I don't feel like I've got a lot to add to that. I think the only other thing I would say, and again, not necessarily menopause related, is looking at like your sleeping position and just generally like muscle tension throughout the day. So are you someone that, you know, when you're sort of working, like maybe you're hunched over a desk a little bit, or um, if we get stressed, sometimes we can like our shoulders can get quite tense. So even just zoning in during the day and seeing how your muscles feel throughout the day and maybe moving a little bit might help ease things at night time um just something else to i guess like take into consideration really yeah totally agree <laughs> georgina saying could be fighting bears in the wood but that was a terrible accent please ignore that <laughs> that was like scottish <laughs> but not I scottish mean, i can't comment on accents because i am awful at them uh fighting bears in the woods we don't recommend we don't i think that's all of our questions today pal we had one more a late um what do you call it addition i can't think of my words today i know we're both doing really well aren't we a late submission submission is the word i was looking for um from dawn about posture Wait, I actually don't have the question in front of me. <laughs> I, I wrote a note about what it was, but I didn't actually get the full shebang. Uh, da, 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 da. We need some like elevator music. I, again, I will not provide that because what it sounds like in my head is not what comes out of my mouth. We'll just have some like... <laughs> um okay another late entry question wow thanks dawn missed the deadline dawn we're out (laughs) we're not going to answer this one ever um (laughs) i went to the physio this week for a couple of things one being some pain in my neck he told me amongst other things your traps are huge that's imagine that's how i imagine he said it and told me to stop training them as it is causing me to round my shoulders forward in my posture They have always built very quickly, unlike my quads. So I will be avoiding upright rows, face pulls, etc. for a while. 
But because I forgot to ask him, what exercises might be good to help me pull my shoulders back and out of their slump? Apart from me thinking more about my posture. <laughs> On the upside, he did say I was strong. So I'll take that as validation. Nice. I love like straight away there, I was thinking of, I love something like a rear doubt fly or a face pull, like from a high pulley to sort of low. Um, high to like, low. Yes, mm. thank you. <laughs> I'm doing the actions so you can see that at least like with the rope attachment yeah. I think those are my go-to for things like that because again can get quite hunched so it's nice to kind of open out um the chest as well they would probably be my top two that kind of sprung to mind when you were saying that mm -hmm. I know she said she said that her physio said to avoid face pull but I think yeah ah. like but you you suggested like high to low um so, yeah, as opposed to... Yeah, so you kind of like changing the angle in it a little bit. The other thing you could do if you still don't want to do those types of face pull is just like a standard like row, whether mm. that's on the cable machine um, or on a machine. Um, I was thinking um, red out fly as well. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like probably, probably better on a cable machine because um, then you can sort of change the height as opposed to maybe dumbbells, I definitely find that when people are doing it with dumbbells, they tend to shrug their shoulders a bit more. Yeah. Um, so if you can do that without shrugging your shoulders, great. And you can even set the weight relatively low. I mean, normally like it's difficult to go heavy on yeah. adult flies on a cable machine anyway. Well, you notice then that you're using a lot of other muscles if you mm. go too high on that and you are more inclined then to like have that almost shoulder shrug movement to get through it. So it could even be that really lowering the weight on some of these exercises to make sure that you are like working more from the back as opposed to like the top up here. Yeah, you do want to be like compensating with um, your traps for sure. Um, the other thing that I was thinking of is you could do some like stretching exercises for the opposite side so like stretching out the chest so that the chest and like front of your shoulders feel less tight so mm -hmm. that might be you know like a door frame chest and front shoulder stretch yes don't want to be able to see this because she's watching on the live but anybody on the podcast you you can't see you don't have the pleasure of seeing this you're but missing you, out on this gem <laughs> you would put like your this part of your arm flat against the door frame and then just kind of like gently push your elbow backwards and you'll feel that stretch in your chest but you'll also feel it in the front of your shoulders so you're like anterior delts um cobra pose as well you could try that um cat cow pose she's saying she appreciates the visual <laughs> very welcome it's what we're all here for yeah I think they, they're probably a really good start because I think this is the thing generally when I've looked before for like exercises for something, it can become quite overwhelming because there's often like so many that you can do that are going to target the areas that you want. So I think picking like a couple of those and, and seeing how you get on with them because it's going to be more accessible to add in then if we're looking at like yeah. one or two things as opposed to maybe like eight or nine things. So mm -hmm see how you get on with them and sort of gradually then can build up from there totally yeah use those stretches at the end of a workout because your muscles will be warm and then make sure you're including some rows some red out flies and lowering the weight and thinking about that mind muscle connection the other thing is i would watch out see when you're doing like lat pull downs make sure that you're not shrugging your shoulders and if you mm. need us to check that out for you just film 
I say just film yourself, film yourself in the gym doing that exercise and we can have a little look at your technique if you need us to. Definitely. Yeah, I think this is one of those things as well where really thinking about that muscle that's supposed to be working and maybe lowering the weight a little bit can be really helpful to feel through it of when you're doing it where you're not then overcompensating for it using kind of other muscle groups can be I think it's a really useful thing to do from time to time anyway. Yeah, 100%. Sharon's asking, would you guys ever consider a mobility slash stretching sesh on the next wow. training release? We can do if there's we, like, if enough people would like something like that. Definitely. We're always open to feedback and suggestions. So yeah, we can definitely consider it. <laughs> <laughs> and potentially provide it. Yeah. <laughs> Watch your space. Cheers, team. Awesome. That's everything. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks. It was lovely to see you, Catherine. And it was lovely to see you too, Sarah. Oh, just a quick one before we go. If you haven't voted yet in the word I can't say, the poll for, did I say it right that time? Um, for this week's banter and beverages group call then please do because we will be announcing the day and time tomorrow so get Absolutely. your votes in now yes and and this is like <laughs> on bridesmaids one of my favorite movies and you're always like i don't remember or i know i've seen, seen it, it. i have seen it but i just can't remember films there's there's a bit of the movie where they're doing speeches at like an engagement party and they like keep stealing the mic off of each other to like one up each other. <laughs> this is like us being like, oh, and that's so uh... and the other one, oh, and <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are listening to this podcast and you've enjoyed it and you would like other people to hear it, we would love other people to hear it because we want to have a big impact this year. Then please do share it on your social media, tag us send this episode or the podcast to somebody else and or follow the podcast or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen amazing and no i haven't got anything else i'm <laughs> just <you>. being stupid <laughs> love it we're here for it we are that's it that's me out i'm done off to buy some protein puddings i thought you were about to say off to barcelona i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> if only <laughs> okay right have a lovely Sunday. Have a lovely Sunday. Bye. Bye.